0: Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to bring you a new point of support as you navigate your NICU journey. Today is a Good Day is here to be a part of your conversations, whether your baby was born prematurely, has special needs, or if your family is grieving a loss. The voices you will hear on the Today is a Good Day podcast are personal stories from people who have been there. Please don't forget to hit subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast listening app. Setting visitor guidelines after the NICU can be a difficult conversation for parents to have with grandparents, family members and friends. Many times others don't fully understand the importance of keeping all babies, but especially babies who have graduated from the NICU, safe from respiratory illness and germs. Dr. Stephanie Lopasinski, perinatal behavioral health consultant at Appington Jefferson Health, is here to talk about this important topic for families. Dr. Lopasinski earned her Bachelor of Arts in psychology from Temple University. After completing a master's degree in social work from the University of Pennsylvania, she graduated from the Institute for Advanced Study of Human Sexuality with two doctorate degrees in human sexuality and education. She has over 15 years of clinical experience providing individuals, couples, and group therapy in several settings, including outpatient and inpatient centers. Her last five years at Abington has been providing individual therapy to moms with perinatal mood and anxiety disorders in pregnancy and postpartum, as well as perinatal loss. This is a hot topic for families that we are discussing today. I remember discussing this when Claire graduated from the NICU over 10 years ago. It can be such a difficult conversation to have with family members and being comfortable saying, no, I'm not ready for you to come into our home. So I'm... Grateful you are here today, Stephanie. Thanks for being with us and looking forward to talking to you about this important topic. Welcome. Can you tell Thank us a you. little bit more? How, how'd you get into this? How did I get into this role? Role, into this world. Oh, into my goodness. Knowing that okay. you wanted to focus on group therapy and working with families. And That is a loaded question. That might be another
1: session. <laughs> However, I love my story because I had a early pregnancy loss. And it ended up being an atopic. And when I got to Abington Hospital, they diagnosed me with this ectopic pregnancy. And it was like this emergency surgery that needed to happen. I've never sprained an ankle before. So to be told that I had to have emergency surgery just was awful hearing that. So after the surgery... After asking for two weeks of recovery from the doctors, I returned to work. And I didn't get the best welcome about the time that I took off. It was only two weeks to heal physically Mm -hmm. and emotionally. Um, But when I came back, it wasn't very welcoming. So that very night, I said, I need to get out of here. So I applied to Abington for that job, not knowing that I would be working in OBGYN. It's like, it's crazy. It's a crazy story. Mm-hmm. So I apply and I go to the interview, and I find out at the very end that it's for this. And I almost jumped out of my seat and I said, because I had an option. He said, primary care or OBGYN. I said, what? (laughs) So, yeah, it happened really quickly. And
0: now I work with the very doctors that helped me through my surgery. And what made it so important for you to help other mothers and to be uh, doing what you're doing on a daily basis? Because,
1: as I say often, and even my daughter knows that I say this often, being a mom is hard. Mm -hmm. And... Quite simply, I remember where I was at when I first had my daughter and how difficult it was, and I wanted to be able to help. I wanted to make sure that moms took out that time for their self-care. I knew I didn't. I knew I wanted to do everything. I didn't want my husband to change a diaper. I just did, 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 did everything. So... For me, I really am able to take what I learned from that experience and, and pay it forward and really let moms know, like, to w- to say what they need. And now
0: having a second, I really know how to do mm-hmm. that, <laughs> saying what you need. That's great. Thank you for sharing that background and why you got into this field and and how important it is for you to help other mothers. I think the topic that, and families, but I think the topic that we're talking about today of setting visitor guidelines for family members and friends coming into your home after you leave the NICU is such an important topic. And especially now during COVID-19, I mean, we were in the NICU 10 years ago. I cannot imagine what it is like with that extra layer of of fear and anxiety that it would bring taking a baby out of the NICU after they graduate and going home. How often are you speaking with parents right now about this struggle, especially during COVID-19? So
1: in the beginning, in March, every single day, every single session. So I'm a very busy (laughs) therapist. Um, COVID made me busier. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I would have about seven sessions a day um, I would have to actually decrease the timing of that session to fit in more um, to fit in more parents. Uh, but every single day, I would hear about it. It became what was dominant about the sessions. And I really felt for these moms because like you're saying, ten years ago with your experience, um, eight years ago with my experience, with you know, setting those guidelines, that's difficult. But you add, COVID to it. And it's just, I really felt for these parents just having to go through that. So every single day, now
0: every, a few times a week. And what is your biggest and first piece of advice for families when they come to you with this concern?
1: So emphasis on the first. Okay. So when I think of the first thing, it means from the first, when this baby is introduced, even in utero, to set those guidelines from the get-go, because otherwise with time, it just gets harder. So you want to say what you want as a couple from the get-go. So meet together, you and your partner, talk about what you want, talk about it with your doctor, and from the beginning, start those
0: conversations. It's a good idea, even writing them down, almost like a birth plan, like you would do for a birth plan, having that written down of this is what we're anticipating, this is what our guidelines look like for family members coming to visit. When you're in the NICU and you're getting ready to graduate, you're covering a lot of different topics. You might be going home with an apnea monitor or oxygen or other machinery and Uh, You're trying to figure out how you're going to take a baby home from having a team of so many doctors and nurses taking care of them to you taking care of them, leaving -hmm. (laughs) leaving the NICU. But this is an important topic to talk about before you graduate from the NICU, to talk with the medical teams, to talk with the nurses, and to talk with your family members about what your plan is going to be. What are your recommendations for families on how they approach this subject of visitation post-NICU? With their family members, how they get the conversation started.
1: So a little backtracking, but um, regarding the first thing to talk about and regarding leaving the NICU, before you leaving the NICU, not apologizing. So that's the whole title of this, right? So not sorry, not sorry, because, mm-hmm. it, you know, moms, women, we apologize way too much We say sorry for saying sorry. Um, I have a sorry jar in my office (laughs) on the desk. And it's not used as often as pre-COVID because I don't have as many patients coming in. But there's a sorry jar. And I save those coins up. And I just buy, like, the best box of tissues that I can get. (laughs) The ones with aloe and the ones that are cooling and antibacterial. Because the hospital... Gives you like these half ply, you know, uh, tissues and nobody wants to use them when they're crying. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry jar. Uh, So what I do with the sorry jar is just like a reminder that you're apologizing way too much. So with this, it's not something that you need to apologize for. Because when when you do something wrong, then you apologize. There's nothing wrong with putting your baby first. And putting your, your family first. And so I, I say these examples to patients. I say, <laughs> in a funny way, but they get it and they remember it. I say, say sorry if you punch somebody in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they laugh and like, uh, yeah, I get it. Um, or, you know, you run into someone's ankle with a shopping cart, then you say sorry. But don't say sorry for trying to protect your baby whether they're in the NICU or they're not. Um, it's just not something you need to say.
0: The key phrase that I heard you say was putting your baby first. Putting I'm putting my baby first by setting these visitation guidelines for our family, for you coming in to, to see the baby. And I, what I think is so important about what you're saying is I always remember with Claire – I knew that if she got sick after we left the NICU, it would be Paul and me who were sitting in the emergency room with her at the hospital. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to be the family member or the friend who came into the house and didn't use the hand sanitizer or Mm -hmm. in this day and age maybe wear a mask or whatever the family has asked for family members to do. It was going to be us sitting in that ER Mm -hmm. with Claire. And I always reminded family members of that. But I think that phrase of saying, I really at this time have to put my baby first mm-hmm. in keeping the baby healthy is a key phrase that you said. I, I love hearing that. During COVID, we were talking a little bit about masks, and um, they've become a, a big part of of our daily lives for sure. How do you help families talk to their relatives about wearing masks, and especially when relatives say, well, now I'm vaccinated, it's okay, but maybe the family's not comfortable with them coming in without a mask? What are Mm -hmm. pieces of advice?
1: Well, I suggest that you get a little creative with things. So perhaps you can let the the family know, we've bought masks for all our visitors, right? Right. And maybe have a a basket by the by the door, or you know, with hand sanitizer, and maybe write the baby's name on the mask. You know, so it's it's very supportive of the baby, right? It's baby friendly, if you will. That means something else, if <laughs> <Yes. laughs> you know at the hospital. Uh, so you know, have fun with it. Um, send a text message with a picture of the baby, right, and let them know. The doctors, the hospital is saying that, is recommending that we blah, 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 and send the picture now or send an email. Now, I do not recommend that you do a group text or a group email because you might get some drama in there where people are talking to each other and you don't want to go there. Or my so-and-so let, you know, people Mm -hmm. in without masks. You don't want to get involved with that. You're worrying about enough things at that time. So, you know, send a text with a picture saying what you guys will want, you know, get masks at the door, um, hand sanitizer, make it kind of fun. Don't make it such a, well, we have to wear masks, right? I'm sorry you have to wear a mask, right? We don't want to begin with an apology. We just want to say, you know, say, I'll use my daughter's thing. Aubrey's doctor and Aubrey's hospital that she's coming from, they're saying, that we should all wear masks. So you get that one person that says, Well, I'm vaccinated. I, I don't need to wear one, right? Well, the doctor's still saying that we should. Right? Well,
0: that's such a key part that you're bringing up, too, because the doctors and, and the nurses, the medical teams always say, Use us. So, yeah. I mean, from yeah. 10 years ago, I remember them saying, yeah. when you go home, if you have anyone that is saying, well, no, Claire should get some germs, should, you know, we should be okay with this, you can blame us any day that you want to. And I think that is really important for families to remember, that you can always, always defer back to the neonatologist and the medical team. Absolutely. And they want you to do that. They're okay with you doing that.
1: It's not like you're saying something bizarre that a doctor said. Um I, I always say, throw the doctor under the bus, right? It's okay. I'm sure they appreciate it's that, okay. Stephanie. Right. I know. I know. That's like the last doctor you want to throw under the bus that like <laughs> saves your baby. So If they ever get if hit by a the bus. If it's for the good of the baby, please, they're probably
0: fine with it. Please
1: help your doctor if they get hit by a bus. Uh, but it's okay to just, and I I say myself too, and the my patients all call me Stephanie, but the only time I'll say Dr. Stephanie Lobosinski is when I say, tell them Dr. Lobosinski <laughs> said this. And it sounds more important. So they, I throw myself under the bus a right. lot with my patients. I'm like, mention this. And they're like, okay. And it makes it easier because, you know, they're not going to hear, oh, well, your doctor doesn't know what they're talking about. Like, what? Right. That doesn't make much sense.
0: Yeah, using, using that resource for sure. Mm-hmm. And... We're talking about NICU babies because today is a good day. We we work to help and support families who experience the NICU for sure. But as we're talking about this, this doesn't just relate to NICU babies. I mean, this is for anyone leaving the hospital with a new baby, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, any baby, their immune system is, pre- is immature right? So it it is any baby, and I'm going to go further, but it's also in Euro. So I hear a lot of patients that are, you know, they're pregnant, and they don't want to go somewhere with other family members, or, you know, they don't want to have a shower, and the family's like, what do you mean you don't want to shower? And again, back to the beginning, but I really feel for these patients that they have to be going through this right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And You know, a lot of times during these wonderful events, like weddings and babies coming and and funerals, all this family drama tends to to come up. And I understand that COVID is stressful to everybody. But another piece of information I tell these patients is, you know, and I'll, I'll use Claire as an example, but can Claire tell you who visited her? At home? Definitely definitely not. And I think you said you brought her out for the first time in May, right? Yes. She
0: came home from the NICU in February, and she went out for the first time Memorial Day weekend.
1: Right. So she doesn't remember who she saw in Mm -hmm. May, right? And so those visits are really not for Claire. They're for whomever is there. But back to the point of putting your baby and your family first,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: it's really about these family members that have stronger personalities that are kind of pushing. And I'm going to do this. I want to come. I want to
0: like hold out. Right. And and we're talking specifically about visitation guidelines, but I feel like what what you help families with is empowering themselves to be able to be better advocates for their baby for their own family, which can be difficult at times. This doesn't necessarily just relate to guidelines coming into the home, but also going out maybe to take the baby out or deciding when you're going to your first family party and holiday gathering with a baby. Are there general tips or, or general pieces of advice that you give to families to help them feel comfortable in the decisions that they're making? I, I say to,
1: to really just meet with your partner and to say, what are you comfortable with? What are you comfortable with? And, and really go from there. They're, again, the, the not apologizing, to just at, um, tell, don't ask. Right. So tell, don't tell, don't ask. Mm -hmm. I have to slow down when I say that because the ask, don't tell. (laughs) So tell, don't ask. Otherwise, people are going to try to compromise with what you say. So you want to blame the doctors. You want to say something without a question mark. You don't want to apologize. You want to be firm in what you and your family need. Your immediate
0: family. When you look at all the families that you've supported over the years, the families that you meet with on a daily basis, what do you feel like is the most important piece of advice or way that you help those families?
1: I help families realize that the baby is not the only individual in the household. To really be able to honor yourself as an individual still, and as a couple. Particularly moms really kind of forget themselves, right? So one of the first few things I ask is, how often do you take a shower? Mm -hmm. How, you know, what what did you eat yesterday?
0: Which seem like such simple questions, right?
1: It is, right? But, and when I say that to medical doctors, to, ask those questions you know I used to get kind of that look like huh that's interesting you know they want to go to they want to jump right to are you thinking about your, uh, hurting yourself or or anyone else and I always say that's the last question you need to ask because if that's the first question you already lost that patient because you've, you've lost that rapport mm-hmm. you've lost that trust so you need to ask about how well are you sleeping Don't ask about the baby sleeping, but ask about how mom is sleeping. Because baby could be sleeping well and great, but mom could be still up staring at that monitor. And she's naturally going to tell you how that baby's sleeping Mm -hmm. once you ask mom. So ask mom, and you'll get more than just her. And ask her, you know, I ask them, what have you eaten? And are you doing anything for yourself? Are you getting showered? Are you getting dressed? Those are big things. And they're not doing them enough.
0: Well, and self-care is really difficult in in the NICU for parents if you're spending hours in the NICU and and you have to be told to go home and, and just get some rest. And depending if you have support at home, I mean, I remember my mother basically would say to me, you know what, you've been at the NICU today. You have to heal. You need to rest. So I had that external force who was kind of saying, you're going to stay home right now you need to sleep mm-hmm. for a little while but that self-care piece is so important and we talk about it a lot but i think the follow through on it right. stephanie right is is, is it does not always happen mm-hmm. for sure how do you help how do you help parents and we were talking about moms in particular who might be sitting up next to the bed, breastfeeding, pumping. How do you guide them towards self care? How do you help them to make sure that it's a priority?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, again, I I, I kind of have like a two week rule where while they're still really healing, um, you know, you can you can really rock, you know, your your pajamas and for two weeks, you know. But after that, only for
0: two weeks, Stephanie. <laughs> well, hold that's, up, that's a. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hold on, hold on. Um, so after that, I want you to wear maybe yoga pants and and a shirt, right? I'm not saying wear jeans in your house. Nobody wants to wear jeans in your house. I feel like you are just walk around angry if you wear jeans in your house all day, right? <laughs> like you wear them outside. So put on some yoga pants, put on a shirt, but make sure it's something different than you slept in, right? So... That's why my pajama. Because yes, I, I think when you look down, and this is for anyone, pregnant, postpartum or not, when you look down and you slept in what you have on, I, I say you're going to have a pajama day, which means that like, maybe it's nice out and you look at the window, but you're not going to take that walk because you're like, eh, I still have to get dressed. So it has nothing to do with looking cute. It has to do with the mood that comes with it right so you want to look down and feel like i look okay right okay not saying fabulous um and washing your hair and getting in the shower and brushing your hair and brushing your teeth right mm-hmm. and if you're not going to eat enough like i say throw a throw like high protein granola bars on on the counter with like trail mix and just like eat it Eat it through the day. Stuff that you can literally like, throw down your your, you know, your throat and like quickly go about your day because otherwise you're not gonna make even that like bowl of cereal that you thought you were gonna eat. So get the cheese sticks. Get the drinkable yogurt that you get for kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I get laughs when I say this, but but then they end up doing it. <laughs> They're like, oh, I bought that like tube yogurt that you mentioned. <laughs> it's really good good, you got like eight grams of protein Mm -hmm. that you normally want. Well,
0: what I think is so important about what I'm hearing you say with this as well about self-care is I think a lot of times you think about it being these big gestures or these big projects. I'm going out to the store. I'm going to go get my nails done. I'm going to go get a massage, which seems Mm -hmm. terribly overwhelming, Mm -hmm. right? When you're in the midst of trauma or you're in in the NICU and you need to get in to see your baby. Mm -hmm. But I love what I'm hearing you say is These small baby steps of self-care, of changing your clothes, of having granola bars on the bar, of Mm -hmm. washing your hair, you know, those small baby steps and accomplishments. And we talk about that a lot of celebrating every milestone for the baby. But I think this comes back to celebrating every milestone for the parent who is focusing on some self-care and accomplishing some of these smaller milestones with that.
1: In social work, the big to-do is meet the patient where they're at. Mm -hmm. And so when I do a treatment plan, I say, you know, I always put improve and increase self-care. And we talk about examples. And I say, well, what are some forms of self-care? And you're right. It's not going to be a massage and some people say to me, Oh, travel. I'm like, no, <laughs> that doesn't it's that's, that's, that's not gonna right? happen. And it's probably that's, not gonna that's happen. Huge. So it's right. right. Or even like take going out for a run. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, well, let's break it down more. What could you do in the house if you have five minutes, if you have ten minutes? And then it kind of makes them realize, like, oh, I can do, you know, different things. Um, listening to music that is not um baby Einstein, mm-hmm. you know, like your baby's gonna learn regardless from you as a parent. You don't need to listen to baby Einstein and listen to that all day, right? Sorry, baby Einstein. You can you can listen to, you know, Bob Marley or the Beatles, like those, those are my two. Um, and sing and go about your day. And the baby's just gonna be like loving to see that. But that's still meeting your self-care rather mm-hmm. than listening to like classical music that you know that is good for the baby. All music is okay for the baby.
0: Well, I feel better. I think I had a big win for self-care because our children grew up listening to country music their whole lives. Yeah. You know? Yeah. the uh, <laughs> that's, that's what we focused on. They still do to this day. Good. Uh, uh, yeah. No, I love I love what you're saying about the small milestones. I think that's really important for parents to remember is that the the self-care doesn't have to be focused on the big gestures and the big, accomplishments but more the small things and thinking about what that really good mm-hmm. small milestone is that you're hitting that day and with the guidelines not apologizing what a key point and saying this is what I'm doing because it is the best for our baby it mm-hmm. is what the medical teams have recommended and this is what we need you to do for this time period mm-hmm. this is a, a period of time that we're going through right yeah it's great we were talking about empowering parents and helping them to feel comfortable. One of the big questions that I know comes to us frequently in our navigate the NICU sessions that we host with families currently in the NICU. When can I take the baby out shopping? When can I go to target? I'm sure you get asked this a lot Mm -hmm. and how, what, what advice do you give to families? Well, I think
1: with my first, (laughs) it took longer with my second, I think uh, we took her out one week post, you know, having her. I feel pretty secure when they're in a baby carrier. You feel like you just, you know, it's kangaroo carrier. You're just like, you got your baby, um, which feels very, you know, comforting. Um, what I recommend to parents is, well, something of what I did. So I would park in the parking lot I get a cart and I take the whole car seat and I put it in the big Target (laughs) shopping cart. And so if anything went down in the sense of crying or, you know, you know, uh, leaking on your shirt or something like that and you just need to go out, like you pick it up and you go. So, you know, that is a good skill regardless. But you feel more protected like that, I think. Um, because the baby's just in there, and people don't really routinely come up to your baby and they're in their in their face, have the baby facing you, not out so you feel a little bit more in control. Um, so I recommend the baby carrier or or that. Um, and I also just want to add that every single mom when I ask them about their first outing, it's target. <laughs> oh. Hands down. I always joke that if I had had a t-shirt with my name on it, that like 10 moms would come up to me and be like, you're my therapist. (laughs) It's so nice to meet you. I feel like a butler should just be like at the door there and just offer moms like a beverage and just say, we know why you're here. Take your time. (laughs) It's okay. The baby's fine at home. Like, it's all good. Take your time.
0: It is a big step to take a baby out, premature baby, full term baby, a baby out to a place to shop and and I think uh some of the strategies that you shared with us today as we were speaking about not apologizing and and tell don't ask because families or other people will walk up to a mm-hmm. car seat if it's accessible to get close to a baby and as the Parent of a micro preemie, it was very scary for me. We Mm -hmm. had people that would come up, and I ended up getting – just like you were talking about with the baby carrier, putting the carrier down in the the shopping cart. Mm -hmm. I had gotten a bassinet stroller so that Claire was up, tucked in it, and someone could not get close to her Mm -hmm. in the stroller because she was so far up underneath the shade covering that was on the bassinet stroller. Mm -hmm. But using those skills of not apologizing, tell, don't ask – deferring to the medical teams, that can all be used when people come up and say, oh, let me see your baby, oh, and go to touch a baby's hands or feet, as we know many people do, and it's scary. Mm -hmm. One of my
1: lovely girlfriends from high school, um, she bought a little yellow yield sign that said, um, please don't, please no touching, and it it velcroed onto the car seat. I remember Mm -hmm. putting on that. From my girl, like yes. eight years ago, but that felt nice. Of kind of just a, a way a to have that there. Um, I just want to add one more thing about the store because mm-hmm. it can be very stressful. Um, when your baby is crying, don't go to. Oh my God! Everyone thinks I'm a bad parent because my baby's crying. They're probably looking at you and thinking, "Oh my God, I've been there, done that. You're doing a great job, mom. It's okay. It'll it'll get better." But still, someone with anxiety is going to look around and think everyone's judging her or him. So what I recommend is what I used to tell my mom when I was a child. And my mom would take me shopping for endless hours. And I would say, I don't know where I got this from, but I would say, Mom, be like a horse. And that meant put your blinders on. So I'd be like, mom, be like a horse. Straight, let's go, let's leave. And
0: because <laughs> you wanted to leave the shopping. You're ready yes, to go home. <laughs> yes.
1: So I say that to my patients in the sense of like, you don't have to look around and, and look for faces of like who's looking at me? Who's judging me? Like, eye on the prize, like eye on the like what you're looking at. And like just look at your baby, engage with your baby. You're doing your best. And your your baby also knows that you're doing your best. And don't assume that people are thinking that you don't know how to take care of your baby. Could you do? You are the best person for your baby. And don't get caught up in those negative thoughts about people
0: looking at you. Keep those blinders on. Yes. Great. Good conversation, Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here and talking with us and giving your guidance for families listening. And we appreciate it. Thank you we <laughs>